Hey everybody, welcome to episode number two of the ADD Entrepreneur. Today I am thrilled um, to be joined by Alex Jurovic Acklesberg, the founder of Zivtech, a Philly based digital strategy company specializing in application and product development, um, who also obviously happens to have ADD. Um, thanks for hopping on here, Alex. Absolutely. Happy to join. Um, with that said again, I want to make sure, I don't know if you want to add anything on to what it is you do, because like we were just talking about, I feel like I, I definitely did not even scratch the surface on all the cool stuff that you guys are doing at this point. No, it's cool. Yeah. ZipTech is a nine-year-old um, web development, design, training, strategy company um, focused on products and web applications for everything from startups to Fortune, whatever, 50 companies. Um, and we work with all sorts of open source tools as well as software as a service and occasionally even proprietary software to help our customers um, innovate in the digital sort of space. Awesome. So, yeah, thank you for that. That's, that's obviously way more holistic than <laughs> I was able yeah. to deliver. Yep. Um, yeah, man, just thank you so much for, for coming on here. I think it's, it's, I just really appreciate uh, you guys. It, it, it's, it's amazing how busy everybody is, especially founders and, and uh just very, very honored that people are willing to take their time out, uh, especially, you know, when we're as easily as distracted as we are. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's also the way that you, you're going to get plenty of, uh, of distracted people to sign up because, you know, they're like, ooh, that sounds distracting. I, I, I like. That's different and interesting from what I'm used to doing at 4 o'clock on a Monday. So, yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, with that said, I guess we'll just dive right in. Um, so the first question I have for you is, how old were you when you started displaying signs of ADD? You know, I think as soon as I started school, um, I went to a sort of alternative school here in Philadelphia called Project Learn. And uh, so they didn't really have report cards, but I did see what they would do is they would give you sort of feedback. Uh, and the feedback I always got uh, from kindergarten on uh, to you know sixth grade when I stopped going there was always some flavor of, Alex is very enthusiastic. He always has, he always seems very excited and eager to talk about what we're uh, going to talk about, but he never lets anyone else have a turn and he never waits his turn. And, uh, um, you know, he's always a little loud and interrupting. And, and so, um, and then, you know, it, I think, uh, so, you know, looking back on it, I don't think people were diagnosed that early or as often with it back then. Um, but for sure, you know, it's, it's been a personality trait since day one and, and, you know, it's, it starts to, started immediately to show itself as soon as I came in contact with the world outside of my parents and grandparents' houses. So that, that that's a per perfectly segues into the next question, which was, who would you say was the person who noticed if it, if it wasn't your parents? Well, I mean, I, again, I don't think like back then in the, I guess, 70s, 80s, I guess mostly, no, it would have been the 80s. Uh, I don't think it was as well, um, or I don't think it was as diagnosed as often as it is today. So you know, they, I think they just thought I was eager and excited and um, I was lucky enough to find myself in a school that really was um, supportive of people that needed to have a little more uh, or that maybe that had a little more energy and, and uh, excitement towards what they were doing and were a little bit more all over the place. So I think I just ended up in the right situation early on in life so that it didn't, it didn't need to be, it wasn't an issue. And then, you know, later on in life, I think, um, you know, maybe like high school and on, when it did start to become more of an issue for me, it was also mixed in with like uh, other issues, mainly that I was depressed. 
Um, and, and it was also a rough time in the city. So it seems pretty natural to be depressed, but, uh, you know, I don't think that I was just depressed because of the, the situation I was in. I think I was just clinically depressed. Yeah. So it sort of mixed in, it sort of meshed in with that. Um, and so I think, you know, looking back at high school, it was definitely the sort of the depression that was the, the focus of my attention, my parents' attention. Um, and uh eventually um sort of got that behind me later on in life and then was still left with the add and that's when it really became apparent like oh this is its own thing um that i really need to deal with on its own so, so no that's it's incredible how common um ADD and depression actually is uh I've, I've been doing more and more reading on it and the the only thing potentially more common than than somebody having especially add and and, and having sort of um, dealing with, with bouts of depression throughout life is that it, they, they're often very hard to diagnose because sometimes ADD is driving the depression and sometimes the depression is actually driving the, the attention deficit. And, and yeah. so it's kind of, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. In, in yeah. The, I mean, I think, life. I think, you know, looking at my life, I think they really were very separate. Um, although I think depression can make the ADD a lot worse. Um, but, you know, I really, like, definitely once the depression was gone, the ADD was not gone. Uh, and it was still the same old Alex from when I was in kindergarten, when I was definitely not depressed in kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think the depression has come, you know, came later in life and is more, uh, but, you know, I think at the time when I would have dealt with it as within the school context before I left home, uh, you know, it's just that it got sort of, it was definitely not the, the problem that I needed to work with or on. So... Um, so we sort of just danced around this um, and you sort of, you, I, I sort of answered it. So just to ask you point blank, like, were you, were you ever professionally tested? Like, did you ever get a professional diagnosis? Yeah. Uh, so definitely they told, um, they told my parents when I was getting treated for depression, they told my parents, yeah, he probably has ADD too. Um, and they, and they sort of wanted to treat that uh, with medicine, but my parents were very anti um treatment with medicine, which I think at the, you know, when you're developed, when your brain is developing, I think is a really smart thing to do is to hold off as long as possible. So I didn't use any sort of chemicals to treat it. And they didn't, they weren't very receptive to dealing with it uh, in that sort of way. I think they were much more concerned with the depression, which I think rightfully so was more of a a weight both on myself and my and my family. Yeah, I, I had a, I actually had a very similar um, very similar experience. Um, I was at a Catholic school, uh, so their their reaction to to my behavior first and second grade was more like, oh, your son has a learning disability. You you need to go get him professional help. Um, and then when I was diagnosed together, like, oh, you, you know, he needs Ritalin. You definitely, like, throw a bunch of Ritalin at Nick. And and my parents were. Um, pretty opposed to yeah developing a chemical dependency at you know seven years old or whatever it was right and i have a lot of abuse ad uh, and addiction problems in my in my history my family history so i think it's a smart move to try to avoid getting people used to like oh take a pill for it when they're that age yes later on in life i think it's great but you know early or when your brain is developing and you don't have and you you know you're not fully uh, to the point yet where you can make those sorts of decisions rationally and, and your brain is still sort of in a, f a more develop developing state. I think it's just uh, better to hold off if you can. So how, how would you say having ADD affected your relationships as, as both a, like a child um, and, then, and then going into your teen years, like coming in up through middle school and, and even high school? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I have, I don't, I don't think it's hurt my relationships at all. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think having ADD can be, you know, you can be sort of, um, people like to be around other people that are driving conversations and that are sort of energetic and, and, um, and will sort of, I, I guess you, I guess, you know, I gravitate towards people that like that. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I always had a, a good amount of friends. Um, and I always had, um, a pretty good social life. Um, uh, I think the depression definitely hurt it, um, at times, but even that sort of, I'm, I'm very, very social by nature. So I don't think it ever really hurt my relationships except made me maybe a real big pain in the ass to my parents to get to do my homework on time. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it really affected my relationships that much. Okay. Um, I mean, my wife gets annoyed constantly with me. Same, right? same here. So, you know, I think it, it affects it. It's, it's, it's annoying. Um, but I don't think she never threatened to break up with me or anything over it. Luckily, <laughs> not that other things maybe. Um, <laughs> What would you say was the most identifying characteristic that you saw in yourself? And, and has that changed, um, you know, over the past, whatever, 30, 30 years or so? Uh, you know, I think the biggest trait is, is dramatic ability to procrastinate um, until everything is the pressure is mounted enough where I just focus and power through things. Um, you know, I think, obviously, I mean, distraction is in the, is in the name. So there's the distracted part I get. I think the part that people don't realize that's really pronounced um, that I that I have a lot of issues with sometimes is, you know, there's the flip side to, to ADD, which is that you get hyper-focused at times yep. and sort of get into a tunnel of focus that you can't really get out of. And so, like, my wife will talk to me when I'm really focused on work or my kids will talk to me and I'll just be like, yep, yep, whatever, yep, yep, yep. And I'm not even paying attention even in a little bit. Of, uh, so... You know, I think it's, it, it, it can be a sort of a, a weird situation where at some times I can seem like to, I'm sure to other people, like I'm not paying attention at all. And other times it just seems like, oh my God, it's like, you know, just focusing way too intensely on it. Um, so yeah, I, I think those would be the more pronounced parts of it for me. Okay. And interrupting. So I just had to throw that in there right while you were talking, <laughs> just to give you an example, but. Uh, I, I, I'm a chronic interrupter, uh, especially yeah, if the idea just, it's again, my, my parents were always like, you need to think before you speak. Um, I, I didn't realize it was, it was as much of a characteristic of just sort of the way our brains work as it is apparently. Um, yep. so do you take any medication to help sort of control or regulate, uh, your focus at all at this point? Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Better living through chemistry. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's, it's, it's interesting. It's amazing how, how varied, uh, the questions that I, I'm, I'm getting, um, on that question, you know, on how, how very the answers I'm getting on that question are and, and how strongly people feel sometimes one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like it's sometimes like I probably don't need it some, uh, you know, right now, but, um, but every time I feel like that and I don't take it, like I'll, I'll be like at the end of the day, I'll be like, wow, I really got almost nothing done. I don't know if that's just like, it makes you more productive in general, which it possibly could be, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason not to use it. So I, 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 I'd use, um, couple of different things to, to stabilize it and, uh, and make me uh, focus harder. <laughs> um, so moving on to some more of the fun uh, business questions. Sure. Um, what was your first business idea and, and what did you do with it? 
Oh, God. Well, I mean, when I was really uh, very young, I used to have all sorts of business ideas. I, at one point, I saw 60 Minutes when I was probably like eight or nine, saw a 60 Minutes uh, special on, on dentists and how much money they were making. And I remember coming up with a whole plan on how I was going to have a chain of dental um, operations. And, and, and I thought, oh, well, maybe I could go do it, uh, I don't know, around the world and have like a worldwide dental regime. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it now as an adult, but that's, that was maybe my, one of my first stupid ideas. Uh, and I have had, I've had lots of bad ideas uh, throughout the years. Um, I think uh, the, the most legit business idea I had before ZivTech was um, uh, an idea to create a uh, venue with uh, the promoter from R5 Productions, Sean Agnew. Uh, we were going to try to buy the A Street Lounge on Ethan Cowell Hill. Oh, no kidding. A concert venue slash uh, social meeting space for nonprofits. And, uh, you know, I think my relationship has very much been, uh, you know, able to, to exist for the past uh, 12 years because that didn't happen. Um, you know, now with kids thinking about, oh, well, how would I have run a nightclub for, you know, with kids? It doesn't, didn't even really cross my mind at the time. And years later, it seems like, wow, that would have been a really hard thing to deal with. And I probably would not have had a second kid or had a wife by the end of it. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I think it would have been interesting. But that was the, that was the sort of first big, bigger sort of more realistic, you know, not more realistic, but the, the first attempt I made at starting um, a bit of real business. Oh, yeah, re yeah. I, I, was, I definitely had some some cash business ventures in my younger years, but uh. oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I've I'm, I've always been a bit of a hustler. Like I remember one time I, I I went to Thailand as a teenager, and at the and I saw how much they were charging for um, fancy aquarium fish there. I, I'm a I'm a, a fish hobbyist, um, and I saw they had discuses and other cichlids, angelfish for like you know pennies. So I had, I had started to come up with like a whole idea. How much would it cost me to import it? How many tanks would I need to keep them in? And, you know, and then I got distracted and went on to <laughs> something else. But, and I was also 14 or 15. So it just didn't, you know, there was other things to get in trouble with at that time. But um, oh, certainly. Um, so uh, that, that age range actually uh, is a really good, it's, it's a good frame of mind to think back to yourself at 13 or 14. So like, who was your biggest entrepreneurial influence when you were growing up versus who would you say it is now? Oh boy. Uh, growing up, you know, it's, I would say my grandfather, um, my grandfather, he wasn't really an entrepreneur. He, he worked at GE, which became Lockheed and then Martin Marietta. Uh, and he worked from the, the mail room on up, uh, never got his college degree, you know, sort of like old school, uh, working, uh, guy, but you know, just like this, the way that he talked about how he moved up and how he hustled and how he just outworked people really influenced me uh, very strongly early on. Um, and just also, just you know, he. I remember he told me this one thing, which is uh, just remember that you're always surrounded by mediocre people that will do the bare minimum they need in order to get through the day. Um, it's a really good piece of advice. And, and, and it's, you know, if you just do like the, the, you know, the, the extra work and you just show up early and, and do all these other things, like you can make up for a lot of sort of what you might perceive as faults in yourself. Um, and so, yeah, he really was an early 
influence on me. I think later on, one of the people that really influenced me a lot was um, Tim Gunn, who uh, is from the show Project Runway. And I, I worked with Tim uh, for years at um, the new school at Parsons um, Fashion School. And, you know, he, before he, he started Project Runway, he was the chair of the fashion school and he really, he had no fashion background. He came in through the Bursar's office at the new school and he really taught himself how to manage and fashion and how to become like this, you know, now what people would think of as a fashion icon. He really self-taught himself, all of that stuff. And then, you know, when he did Project Runway, it was really insane. Uh, he wasn't my boss. I worked for uh, administration and he was under academics, which was two different sort of line chains of command at the university. Um, so he was like more like my client. Uh, I, I did all the technology for the Parsons Fashion School. So I came back from, from a vacation during the summer and I met with my boss at the main new school location on 13th Street and I went up to 40th Street where the fashion school was and my boss hadn't said anything to me that anything was weird. He was just like, go up and, you know, get ready to do, you know, the work for getting ready for students. And I got up to, to Parsons and all of my computers were gone out of the room, out of the rooms, the digital classrooms. Uh, and there's people all over the place. And I'm like, what the hell is all this? And, and someone comes in and says, are you Alex? Says, yeah. Says, oh, Tim wants to talk to you. So I go and I, I talk to Tim. And Tim tells me the story of, uh, you know, they, they had been um, uh, working on this show, which I'd kind of heard about for the, for the last couple months. And they had lined up uh, the contestants and the judges and all, everything. And then two weeks before they were supposed to start, the head of the new school from the administration side, who was technically my boss's boss's boss, um, the provost of the school, caught wind of the fact that the uh, Weinstein brothers were involved in the project and demanded that they pay a uh, million dollars for the rights to, oh to film at the new school and to use the name and blah, blah, blah. So the, 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 the producers were like, you know what? we're just going to go to FIT, which is like Parsons fashions, uh, arch rival down the block. So Tim basically decided, well, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to, I'm just going to um, do it anyway. And I'm just not going to tell them. <laughs> um, and that's what he did. He, he did it in secret. And so he told me this story like, yeah, well they were going to move it. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to do it anyway. It's the right thing to do. And I'm just going to do it. Uh, and he told me, you know, if, if anything happens, blame it on him. But then he also said uh, something which I really live by as an entrepreneur, which is it's better to beg forgiveness than to ask for permission. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and of course, the show, the show filmed over the summer. Nobody at the university ever came up to the fashion. So nobody noticed that it was happening. I got we got everything ready for the students in time. And it all went off without a hitch. And then when it premiered, which I believe was at during Thanksgiving break, um, it was during one of the breaks, you know, it was, it was sort of like this mini firestorm for like a day until it got all the reviews started pouring in and all the popularity started to become apparent. And then obvious, and then it became obvious, like, yeah, you should obviously uh, do this and do it for free or pay them to come do it, you yep, know, yeah. for how much you get out of it. But you know, their short sightedness was, was going to be an impediment. So he just did it anyway. And I, I always, I, I, I had nothing but love for the guy before that. He was he was really my guardian angel at the university and, and really helped me out in many ways. Um, but he th that one that one episode was just amazing. Just like him 
doing it without per, without permission. And then all as a result of it, though, because of his contract with the new school, he didn't get paid for Project Runway for the first, I think, three seasons. He didn't make a dime off of that. Wow. Show. He just did it straight out of, he thought it was the right thing to do. It was all out of love. And, you know, and that, and that, that, that really was inspiring to me, very much so. That's incredible. I mean, God, who would have, I mean, who would have guessed? Like, that's, uh, that's a really cool story. Um, uh, yeah, man, God, that's, that's just, it's a really fortunate, like lucky experience, you know, to be able to, to have oh, that exposure yeah. and sort of just have that, like that serendipitous relationship form. And that's, that's awesome. Um, yep. it's amazing how many, like all the really successful guys I talk to, it, it's amazing how much serendipity and, and just, you know, being in the right place at the right time has, has sort of led to opening doors even just a little bit and, and and the true entrepreneurs you know put their foot in the crack and kick the door open right i mean i think i think part of part of the beauty of 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 having add is that it makes you naturally more curious and and sort of less focused on a specific thing and more focused on like you know sort of those chance encounters i think um you know i don't know if that's just me but i but it's always felt like you know part of me um just sort of floats around looking for those things at some level. Although I do take a lot of charge and things, but, uh, but I also do put a lot of faith in those chance, chance encounters. I, I would say the same. I don't, I don't know if that's, it's definitely not just you. Maybe it's just you and me. I don't know. Um, but yeah. I, I would absolutely say the same. Um, do, do you, uh, do you have any like routines or, or rituals that you, you sort of, um, practice to stay productive? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I have a lot of them, but I think the biggest one is is meticulous note taking and reminders. And I use a calendar. I, I I try to adhere to the getting things done sort of light, uh, ver you know a lighter version of getting things done. But, um, but yeah, I put things in calendars. I put things in um, task lists. I put in reminders. I I have a whole system in my email that I use. So yeah, I, I rely very heavily on systems that I set up for myself and I always will have notebooks or my phone either in my hand or handy to jot things down so that I don't forget. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten, it's everybody, I, I, the, the folks I talk to again that are able to rein in their ADD to like be truly productive and build and grow these real businesses. It, it's amazing how many tools they sort of self-develop or, or how many different systems and, and, and approaches they've stitched together to sort of form their own uh, framework uh, right. to be able to actually stay productive. And, you know, I think luckily for me, a, a lot of times, like my mind will just come back to things. Like I might lose things for a little while, but it almost always comes back to me just maybe when I'm walking or I'm, oh, that's the other thing I do. I walk a lot. So I'm constantly trying to burn off energy so I walk probably five miles a day or so. Wow. Um, at least five miles a day. Uh, sometimes Where are I walk, you walking? Uh, you know, I walk from the art museum area down to work uh, and back. And then I'll usually go for a mile or two walk at lunch. And then if I have any meetings, I walk to the meetings. I walk everywhere. I try never to get in a car if I can avoid it. No kidding. If it can be raining, snowing, I don't care. I walk. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really uh, – um, yeah, but I think, you know, I think at some level – the ADD actually really is very helpful as a CEO. Like I could imagine it if I didn't, my business partner probably has, I don't know if OCD is the opposite of ADD and I don't know that she has OCD, but, but you know, she's very focused on things and she gets super hyper in the, um, the weeds and things. And, and it's very hard for her to, to sometimes uh, get out of that. 
Um, and, and, you know, the, the varied demands that come from owning a business can sometimes really um, bother her a lot. For me, I can, I can sort of just go with the flow, right? Like someone will email me right after this and I'll be able to just switch off from doing this interview and just email them right away. And I won't have to think about the context or all that. So I think, you know, I think it's, it's very beneficial from that regards, uh, being a CEO uh, yeah. and having it. Um, no, it's, it's, it's amazing running through like the list of, of, um, you know, essentially famous people, um, that have ADD and, and, and just how different they are. Like, you know, you, like you've got the entrepreneurs that really stand out like Richard Branson, uh, Paul Orphelia, the founder of Kinko's, David Nealman, founder of JetBlue, Invar Kamprad, founder of Ikea. Like you've got these big name entrepreneurs, but then like there's also musicians like Justin Timberlake. And then you've got actors like Will Smith, Ty Pennington, Jim Carrey, uh, and then even athletes and, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's funny how, how it, it's, it's used as like a fuel for talent across so many different, um, verticals or careers, I guess you, I could say. Right. And I think a misconception about it that you just sort of addressed is that it's not always a learning disability, right? Like it's not that, uh, ADD can certainly be a learning disability in severe cases. And it, and, and it's a lot of times people with other things like, um, other disorders might have ADD, but it's on its own. It's not always a learning disability. Yep, totally. Um, and I don't think I ever really felt like I was learning disabled in any way. Um, I, it's, I would procrastinate and do my work at the last minute, but that, that didn't mean I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. There's the stigma, the stigma around it being a disorder is still sort of hard to overcome. And, and, and the stigma sort of that, that, that I'm seeing that more people I talk to and the more I research it is like this, there's this divide between people that like don't really want to talk about it or sort of admit it and embrace it. And there's people that like wear it on their sleeve, like a badge of honor. Uh, right. And I think probably it's the people, you know, I would think that there's probably, you know, if you really were to, to, to go and refine the DSM to cover, cover the whole spectrum of, of it, I would guess you'd have, ADD as, you know, attention deficit disorder and then sort of attention deficit uh, disability, right? Like, so if you know, there's at some point it might, it might make you learning disabled. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a really interesting distinction that I had not yeah. thought about before. But I think, you know, and I've definitely met people who for sure it was a huge learning disability for them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not, I don't feel like it's been for myself. So do you, um, and you sort of already started to answer this, do you have any, uh, I guess what I would call like quirky uh, habits or behaviors? But I mean, I, the walking is a, is a pretty good example. I and mean, I don't think it's that quirky, but like you walk a lot. Five miles a day is, is, is a lot. Sure. I mean, I wear hats every day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty quirky. I mean, I, I have, I, have, I, I, I thrive, I, you know, I go for the quirky, so. Uh, I don't know that I have too many quirks other that are not like typical ADD being, you know, loud, interrupting. Um, you know, if interrupting was a superpower, I'd have, I'd, I'd have <laughs> captain interrupter. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the, the walking is a quirk. I mean, I have, I, I create, I, I don't know again, if this is ADD or what, but I create little rules for myself. I have, I, I don't eat beef, pork or shellfish, which is not religious, but, uh, is sort of philosophical, but so that's kind of quirky to people. Um, I would say I'm a pretty quirky, per weird person in general, but so I don't think that's the ADD. I just think I'm a weirdo. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, how, how would you say in general you get along with other, other folks that have ADD? And like, do you have any employees that, 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 that self-identify? Uh, oh yeah. I mean, I think I get along well with people with ADD. I think, I think generally people with ADD get along with each other. I think 
I'm not hyperactive in the same way. So the hyperactive part can really get on my nerves sometimes. Uh, but no, I have friends. I have many friends who have, you know, ADD. And I think probably, I think probably a good percentage of my very good friends have ADD. Um, or, you know, some other uh, quirkiness about them. Uh, so, you know, I think I do get along well with, with ADD type people because we can have sort of scattered conversations just like yeah. we're having now <laughs> we all, and, and it keeps going back towards the right spot, but you don't worry too much about the structure of it. Uh, I think I have a lot of problems, uh, you know, and I don't, again, I don't know if it's a personality thing or an ADD thing, but you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who are more reserved who can have problems with me and with how I come across and how I'm always interrupting and all those sorts of things. Um, and definitely quieter people can get really, because I'm not just interrupting. I'm also very loud. I don't know if it's coming across on the phone. But, you know, I, have bas I have basically like two volumes, like yell and like complete silence. Um, and I'm never silent. So uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know which of the quirks that I got, uh, you know, correspond to how people perceive me, but. Um. <laughs> so, so that, that's, I, I, that, that flows pretty well right into it. But would you say your, your, your most and least favorite, uh, you know, a sort of ADD attributable characteristics? Uh, well, least favorite, I think, you know, I don't know if it's directly ADD, but the, you know, the procrastination thing has, has always tortured me. I don't know why I need to work under the gun so often, but uh, it's always been the way that I work best, but it also drives me crazy. Um, so that would be my, my sort of least favorite. Uh, and also just the fact that, you know, um, sometimes it, it, it does get my, me in trouble with my, my wife and kids. Um, uh, my favorite part is, like I said, I think the CEO, the, the, the fact that it helps me as a CEO, um, and that it, it really gives me, um, some tools that I'm able to rely on that, that get me through my normal days where, where it might be a lot harder for someone if they couldn't switch their attention from task to task really quickly. That starts to answer the next question. Exactly. Which, which was, which was how, you know, uh, would you say it's helped you grow your business and how, and, and it sounds like, so that, that seems like that's really an effective tool for you to be able to, to just go like jump from task to task to task to knock shit out. Yeah, but it's also been, so that gets to sort of the other negative thing, which is like, it's, it, it also uh, can hurt me when, when really good planning is needed. Like I'm really good when I can work on instinct and really go after things and go hunt for business opportunities and those sorts of things. But when I really, you know, sometimes it's been, it's been more challenging when I really have to plan or, you know, think very thoroughly before making decisions. Um, I think I'm much better when I can use my instincts to, to make, um, to make choices and to think through things. But, you know, I think, uh, there's definitely been times when I really would have benefited from being able to be a little bit like more laid back, thoughtful and, uh, deliberative. No, it makes, it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, do you have a favorite book on either business or productivity? So getting things done uh, is my is my uh, probably my favorite book on productivity that I used to give out uh, or that I still do give out here and there. Um, books on productivity or why, why is getting things done? Um, why does that one stand out for you? It's very practical and it's it's about setting up systems to get things out of your head and like 
you know, I think that one of the things, there tends to be a little bit of a disorganized nature to ADD. And so getting your ideas into structured form quickly uh, and then, you know, finding ways to decide which things get attention when uh, is super, super valuable um, and super helpful. And it was really key for me uh, early on in the business, especially, but still to this day, I still try to improve upon it constantly. Um, but it was really important for me early on to, to be able to sort of keep up with the growing um, numbers of, you know, just requests coming in and just require and, and um, responsibilities that were on my plate and different uh, sorts of activities that I had to um, take part in on a daily basis. What, um, what advice would you offer up to, to like an aspiring entrepreneur um, who has ADD? Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, you know, I think you got to follow something that you're passionate about or you're going to lose attention from it. I, you know, I think that's probably not different from, from other people, but you really have to have a overall passion for, for your job, or it's going to be increasingly hard as you grow to keep track of everything or to even bother trying to, um, keep on top of everything. So I think setting up those systems early uh, to keep you accountable to yourself and to your business partners and customers is super important. Um, and I would also, you know, say, you know, following up and following through, which are not necessarily the things that uh, people with ADD are naturally best at, are super important. And, and then the other part, the flip side is don't get overly focused on the things that are not core to your business. Cause I think, you know, you can easily get distracted by and go down rabbit holes. And I constantly do with things that make that just sort of get me riled up or get me, get me, um, get me going in some sort of, uh, you know, impassioned way. So like politics or uh, if I think someone's done me wrong or, you know, if I, if I have some sort of beef with someone, I mean, I might go, and really focus on, you know, I'll get in one of those tunnels, but it's not going to be productive to my business. So trying to keep, make sure that when you do get in one of these attention things that make sure that it's focused on those things that are going to drive your business forward and not just drive your, you know, whatever sort of internal um, check boxes you need checked off. Um, so you know, it's, it's not about making you feel good necessarily, uh, which is, I think, something that's, that's hard to get in a, in a fundamental way. Um, but it does make you feel good if you can just get, you know, focus on the, on the right things. That's really, that's, uh, that's pretty solid advice. Well, Heyman, that's, that's all I got. Um, I just want to say thank you again. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time and, and providing so much insight. Um, I think it's been really awesome. Awesome. Well, glad to talk about it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more podcasts in the future. Uh, yeah, I hope I can hope I can keep it going. <laughs> uh,